And welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on Friday's defeat in the Highlands, Heather Holloway. Heather, how are you? Hi, yeah, I'm great, thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for having me back. Was a tough old journey up to the Highlands and a shame not to get our, not 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 to get the points, but um, feeling optimistic about the season ahead. Reese Haldane's here. Reese, how are you? I much the same as Heather. Um, I'm I'm not too bad myself, but it, it was a disappointing night the other night. Um, obviously, we all know about the red card and and how the game ended up panning out. But that being said, I don't think Inverness will be too much to worry about. So aye, I'm looking forward to discussing this. And rounding off our panel from what we've just learned off air as Scott Lambie's best friend, it's David Forrest. <laughs> David, how are you? Hello, I'm I'm doing well. The result wasn't great on Friday, but I, I had a great day yesterday uh, with everybody uh, of the Frisco fraternity. I can't even say my words today. Um, so yeah, doing well. Can I question to... fraternity there as a? <laughs> Are you, you you know what a fraternity is? Yeah, is that is a is that not a a boys' house in um American? What do you call it? The fraternity is like a gathering of people. It's like we're going way off topic already. But no, fraternity right. that's just for various things. Just giving fraternity a quick a quick Google. <laughs> I'm having a shock of the day. No, I'll give this one to David. A group of people sharing a common profession or interest. Yeah, you can have that, David. Yeah, that's fine, thank you. Sorry, David. I've watched far too much American TV to think I think immediately of, you know, misogynistic men. Which I'm sure you're not one of. No, I was going to make a joke about the Facebook group for a minute, but I thought I better, I better not, because let's not dilute our listenership anymore. <laughs> I thought I'd just let the topic of misogynistic men just linger for five or ten seconds before we move on. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll start as well. We'll not really start. We'll start the halfway point of the podcast, as we normally do, with the starting 11 from Friday's game. So it was the same team that started the second half against Morton, which meant two changes to the starting 11, uh, with Kyle Turner and Scott Tiffany and for Cole McKinnon and Cammy Smith. Uh, Reese, were you happy with the, the starting 11 when you saw it? Aye, no complaints for me. It was it was a team that I would have started with, to be honest. Um, as well mentioned last week, when the, the team that came on in the second half, the likes of Kyle Turner and Scott Tiffany, they they changed the game against Morton. Um, I would have actually lost my mind if Cammy Smith had started again. <laughs> We've seen enough of him, and I don't, I don't even, I don't want to like get on the guys back, but it just doesn't do enough. So to bring in Tiff was a no-brainer, and Turner deserves to start um, based upon his his impact against Morton. But Turner just he makes it tough for himself now, and obviously Cole McKinnon's going to get get the start uh, next week, and it's now McKinnon's place to lose, and and. 
and Turner's shown why. But I can have no complaints about the start of 11 against Inverness. Heather, what about you? How were you feeling an hour before kickoff when you were up there and you saw the team? Much similar to Reese, absolutely buzzing to not to see my best friend on the bench. My best friend being Cammy Smith, obviously. And I thought that I was really excited, to be honest, because 11 v 11, it, it was going to be a brilliant game. They obviously had played very well recently and I thought it was going to be a really tight game and something, you know, a really good spectacle for the Sins Championship. I actually thought McKinnon was unlucky. I, I thought that maybe they would do the same last week and give him the first half and see how he went and then give it to Turner. But again, no, no real complaints. And I thought 11 v 11, it was going to be a brilliant, a brilliant game. All right, so David, I'll come to you on some of the refereeing decisions. Because I, I caveat it by saying I know we don't often talk about refereeing decisions because generally they are quite boring. But I feel like this week, it was the big talking point. Ian McCall's uh, post-match thoughts were all around the refereeing decision, so we might as well talk about them. Um, you seem to be have a different opinion, well, a slightly different opinion to everyone else in the call. What was your take on how the referees' the decisions' performance affected the game? To be well, I mean, to be honest, I will say, like, I, I don't actually think he was that good, right? I mean, he blew for full time before the, the, the before the four minutes. It was at ninety three thirty, and he blew for full time. He can't even count, right? That's not a good start. But this is not what no, you were like, saying off air. This is not what you were saying off air. No, right? No. So I will say, right? I, looking at back, like, so I watched a game on the TV. And there was a big discussion on the TV about the penalty call and about sort of its fine margins in terms of who gets to the ball first and stuff like that. That a case could be made that it wasn't a penalty. It also looked like the referee wasn't in a very good position. No linesman was, but the referee wasn't. Now, I might be totally misreading this, but am I right in saying it's it's a referee's call to make? If, If he can't see it, he can't give the penalty. And it's perspective of what other people can say. He, I, but if he cannot see it, he cannot rule on that decision. Yeah, but the linesman could flag and tell him it's a penalty, or tell him in his ear it's a penalty and he can give it. I was always of the. What's the point of a linesman? What's the point of a linesman if he can't do that? I, I was under the impression that the referee has to be able to justify it himself as well. Like the linesman can tell him something like that, but if he can't see it, he can't call on it. No, no, there's plenty of instances where linesmen have, have advised referees. There's been plenty of instances where linesmen have also seen stuff that referees haven't, and they've not given penalties either. Aye, but that is, that is a big problem. I don't think linesmen get in, involved enough, mm-hmm. which is probably yeah. why we didn't get a penalty. But no, <laughs> linesmen, <laughs> linesmen can definitely like advise and flag uh, and make referees aware of things that they haven't seen yet. Linesman always kind of gets the same when it's sort of like a goaling decision. Like you look back at the goal score against Morton, it was a linesman that, that ended up giving a throw in there. I don't think it was as clear cut a penalty as other people think, but I, I would obviously have call if I was in the stand with the same view, I would obviously be calling for it. But I don't know. I think if it was the other way, we'd be having a discussion where, you know, or maybe it wasn't a penalty in Vernes, we know we were justified not to give that away or whatever. I think it is just a case of team bias, whereby I think, again, if it was the other way around, I don't know if we would necessarily be saying that's a stonewall penalty. Rhys, do you agree? 
Um, well, initially being at the game, I don't know if there was there was bodies in front of me trying to see the ball as well, but I, I couldn't make my mind up from behind the goal. Um, I've not watched the, the highlights back from BBC, um, but apparently it's, the the footage doesn't give any indication whether it's a penalty or not. But seeing the Jag Zone highlights, it's clear as day it's a stonewall. Doherty's knocked it down to Kevin Holt. The ball's already on the way to Kevin Holt and he's been volleyed in, in the groin stomach. Of it. I can't believe we didn't get a penalty. It's one of the ones, like, see if that happened at Fur Hill, the opposition team, and whatever, like, uh, Kevin Holt's volleyed their player. It's one of the ones you grit your teeth and go, oh, that's a penalty, that's a penalty. But the ref doesn't even bat an eyelid. And, and to be honest, I can't believe we didn't get a penalty for that. But that aside, I thought McCall obviously has to come out and say that he wants to publicly apologise to the ref because he, he, you know he's looking at a ban now, quite probably a couple of games for coming out and criticising the ref. It's just what happens in football. So uh, he's going to have to cover his back and just hope that we're lenient, uh, the SFA or whatever are lenient on him. But I, the referee was out of his depth. I think that was his first ever game at championship level. And you get this with certain referees who they'll try and make a name for themselves and try and put their, their imprint on the game because the red card, see from the stands as well, I thought, like I've said to you as off call, I thought it was a fistle free kick initially. It's just a 50 50. Um, but when you slow it down, of course, you can see Turner's foot is a wee bit high. But as I said as well, like every time you slow any challenge down, you can get a red card out of everything when you slow it down and break it down. But at full, at full pelt, it just, it's a 50 50 and it's, it's a wee bit reckless from both. So I give the ref a decision to make. Some refs give it, some refs don't. So I can see why he's give the red. But at the end of the day, it's a wee bit harsh. Maybe it's a bit biased, I don't know, but it completely ruined the game. From from that point on, you're bringing off Scott Tiffany, who's, who's always our outball, and it's always a threat against Inverness. So Inverness were clearly licking their lips at half-time when they seen Scott Tiffany's number going up. So at that point on, you're just... And that being said, we actually done pretty well with 10 men to keep it a, quite an even contest. We had a chance at the end and whatnot, but uh, the referee just it, it killed the game. Heather, what were your thoughts on, on the red card decision then Kyle Turner sent off with 10 or 15 minutes to go in the first half? Obviously, had a massive effect in the game. Do you think the referee got that one right? For me, watching the highlights back, I can understand, and same thoughts as Reese. can definitely see why it was given. At the time, I thought it was going to be one of those ones where both players get a yellow card. You know, when sometimes the referee just doesn't know what to do. So, and I because he'd been clueless throughout the rest of the game I thought he was just going to do the, the brandish two yellow cards and all, and just give give whoever whoever's team smelled at him the most the, the ball and I was quite surprised and then when he flashed a card at Kyle Turner from where I was standing couldn't quite see the colour but from the body language around I was like I think that's a red card so I was I, again at the at the time of the game was quite shocked Looking back at it, I I couldn't understand why, and it was it was just silly from Kyle Turner, and I don't know why he just doesn't pull doesn't just pull his foot away. Uh, it's a I mean that's why I'm not a professional footballer maybe, but um I think I think he's just made a really silly decision, and it just meant that we were or the, well the whole game plan changed, but it also it fell straight into Inverness in, into their hands because. They'd been pressing us so hard and leaving two two people on the sideline where Tiff was for the whole game. Even when the game was being played over on the McMillan Lawless side, they were very aware of Tiffany. 
And the minute that, you know, that we lost the player, that was no longer a threat to them and they could start playing their football and, you know, going for us. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a real shame, to be honest. And for me, from the, the two angles that I've seen the penalty from, which is right in front of us on the in the stand and then from the Jag zone uh, footage, I would say it was a penalty for me. Yeah, I think the, the missed penalty is the worst decision for me. But I think any referee can miss a Stomo penalty. We've seen experienced referees miss penalties both for us and against us. I think the Kyle Turner one, uh, the more I see it, the more I sort of think fair enough. I do think, though, if the ref had just given a foul or even booked Kyle Turner, nobody would be talking after the game saying he'd missed a red card. So I think he's sort of maybe gone looking for that. But again, you get referees that give red cards you disagree with. For me, he didn't stop the game for a head knock for about 30 seconds. Dowd was bleeding out of his face, holding his head. Didn't stop the game for about 30 seconds. And then, as David said, uh, signalled a minimum of four minutes at the time and then stopped 20 seconds short. They're like refereeing basics. And that's where I would agree with Ian McCall's comments that he was out of his, out of his depth. Because I thought in the first half, he was very whistle happy, a bit card happy. And then even in the second half, I thought we were getting a lot of soft free kicks as if he thought, oh, I've sent one of their men off. I better start giving them something. And he did. I thought he did lose control of the game. I would say, though, if you're making your debut at championship level, if Ian McCall throws in a teenager to make his debut and, and a top-of-the-table clash and it doesn't go well for him, we are criticising Ian McCall saying, why is he throwing in a, a kid? So if the SFA have thrown in a, a young referee to a top-of-the-table clash and it's not going well for him, we should be criticising the SFA. If you want to bleed referees in, don't bleed them in on big TV games on Friday night in a top-of-the-table clash. That To me, that that doesn't make sense, and that I'd be more annoyed at the SFA than I would at the individual referee. That's a great point, point, Matt. I think you've summed that up perfectly there. I think that he didn't have the protection elsewhere because clearly this the linesmen weren't helping him out at all. But I also think that a few of the challenges that he either gave cards for and or waved on because he was quite inconsistent with some fouls, some of them were one and a halfers, as in a yellow card and a half. And I'm like, I really feel like, you know, I really wish there was a half card that you could get in football because I feel like Kel Turner's was a one and a halfer. That's a conversation for a different day. I agree, Heather. I think maybe in 10, 15 years, there will be like maybe a 10 minutes in bin in football. I know this is going completely off topic, but you see, I feel like uh, tactical fouls where you stop counter attacks by tripping folk up and you're like, everyone gets mad at them because like they deny promising attacks and it's only a yellow and should it be a red, should it be a yellow? I think things like that and then things like the Turner one where it's on the edge. I think maybe in the future that will be a, that could be a thing. Did you not see uh, Alan Hutton's comments a couple of weeks ago and he was like, uh, it's not a red card, but it's it's definitely more than a yellow. And But like, see, see, just talking about the referees again, like, you know how referees think, like, it's it's the same as any, like, even like a footballer. So you're going into a game, you want to catch the eye, you want to score a goal, you want to assist, you want to, you want to stand out, right? And a referee making his, his debut at championship level, realistically, you should just let the game play and, and let it flow. That's being a good ref, but on TV, he's wanting to make a name for himself, a wee bit of, wee bit of talk around his name, and that's exactly what's happened. We're talking about everyone who has decisions here, and it's, it's maybe not in a positive light for himself, but it's got people talking about him, and he probably will get assigned more games because McCall's came out and slaughtered him on the telly and speaking about him in the, in the press the day later. So 
he's he's got what he's wanted. It's weird because like there's that old that old sort of saying that the the best referee is one you don't notice. So like I, I, the game goes on and there's no the referee doesn't do anything contentious to make you think you know get you up and shouting and arguing or whatever. But you're right. I mean, like the amount of free kicks he gave in the first half for Inverness, and they were given so many gift chances to kind of launch stuff into the box, and we were absolutely getting rattled by it. But the amount of free kicks they got and stuff like that, I'm not surprised. You know that Wallace got a booking for dissent. There was more than him. It was lots of people um, criticising his decisions, and yeah, it's it's a, it's a weird one. Even if you look on Twitter, I had a lot of research just like typing in referee and stuff just to see what people were saying. It was obviously a televised game. And it was like Dundee United fans and stuff being like, is this ref wearing an Inverness kit and stuff? And I don't even know if he's meaning just the way of his performance or the fact that his, he basically had a kit clash with the Inverness players. But I just everything about that ref annoyed me. I hope I never see him again. <laughs> I'm sure we'll see him very soon. Anyway, we'll move on um, from referee and talk. I will turn into Arnold Firm podcast. Um David, how do you think we coped with 10 men? Obviously, a difficult situation. We talked last week about how this was probably one of the toughest games of the season. We had to play about an hour of it with or 59 minutes and 20 seconds, probably, with with 10 men. How do you think we coped with that? I actually thought we coped really quite well. We were absolutely rotten the first, well, before the red card. Um, Inverness were just chucking stuff into the box and we were panicking and we just looked really, really shaky that I thought, Especially with our record from set pieces, it just looked like we're going to somebody's going to lump a ball in the box and then they're going to be the end of it and then that'll be it. And to be honest, there was probably two or three chances that Inverness had that they probably should have scored. Um, Daniel Mackay was really, really good as as well and he was just absolutely taking us for a ride and we just looked all over the shop. When the red card happened, it kind of forced us to do stuff. Tiffany hadn't really done anything all, all game really and he was, um, you know, being marshaled at the game. To be honest, he, he was playing more as like more in the centre than he is on the left hand side because he was just getting marked at the game so much. And you know, all of our stuff was down the other side, and it was, just was not effective whatsoever. And when we went to ten men, and it forced us to change it up because we needed to change it up, regardless of the red card or not, we needed to change something up, and um, it made us think in our feet a little bit. And I thought we done we done well in the second half um, with ten men. And the problem is, is ten men. You're always going to be at a disadvantage, and I think we played well. With, we played well, but not well enough to kind of combat a disadvantage. Um, but yeah, I think we needed the change anyway. And the red card was a, a convenient way of uh, doing that. Well, not convenient, but you know what I mean. Like it, it, it was a, a reason to change it. And yeah, I, I we played well, but I don't think well enough to kind of merit anything from the game based on how rubbish we've done in the first half hour. You mentioned uh, Mackay there on the wing for, for Inverness, David. I thought he was probably the the best individual performance we, we've faced this season. I thought he really caused McMillan a lot of problems down the right. As you mentioned earlier, McMillan booked. Um, looked like it might end his night early as well. Um, before the injury, I thought he was a really a really good player. Other than that, though, I thought that Muirhead and Holt, I thought, again, had a really good night. I feel a bit sorry for Muirhead for the, the scuff claims and the goal. Because other than that, I thought uh, Holt and Muirhead were, were really, really good. Reese, what did you think of our, our performance? I see. Okay, I, I agree with what Dave was saying, but at the same time, I kind of disagree. I thought, like, if we'd, if we'd left with a point the other night, it would have been a brilliant result. And I would have said we deserved it because 
as you mentioned, Holt and Muirhead, they defended really well. Um, I know you're saying McMillan got a bit of a tough time, but he stood up to it pretty well. And I thought Harry Milne was excellent. I, I remember they brought on Liam Shaw, I think his name is. Uh, they brought him on and he stood Harry Milne up like four times, tried to go by him, and Milne won the ball on all four occasions. Like, just uh, he's so solid. Like, even defensively, I think he's always been good at going back as well, but he's just tightening up his game every week. And honestly, every week he gets better and better. So, if we'd left to a point, I, I wouldn't say it was undeserved because we had 10 men for. 55 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever, and we looked fine. Like you, obviously, it looked like Inver- Inverness had a wee bit more possession, but I don't really think they had too many clear-cut chances. The one that you mentioned that was obviously scuffed, and then Hope falls down. Uh, sorry, Muirhead falls down as well. Like uh, that was only one you're going to. Aye, they're going to score here, and of course they did score because, to be honest, you always knew they were going to get one big chance, and they scored it. But barring that, I don't think they really pummeled us, and and even then we were always in the contest. Like even. Towards the 90th minute, I think Holt had that shot. I don't know if it clipped the post or it just went by. Um, but I, we were always in the game and it was disappointing not to take a point. And if we had the full complement, I don't think there was any doubt in my mind that we would we would certainly not have lost that game and had the backers to go on and win it with 11 men. Heather, uh, Holt and Muirhead have been praised. Milne's been praised. Do you want to add any more individual performances into that? I was more going to say I would have loved to have praised Aidan Fitzpatrick and Anton Dowds for more. And I feel like if they'd been given a little bit more time and McCall had changed the subs a little bit earlier, I think they could have made a really big impact. I totally agree with Reese that we had quite a lot of possession or quite a lot of um of the momentum in the final few minutes. And I think with the tired legs that Inverness did have, that would have been a chance to try and get something out of the game I think Harry Milne was brilliant and I also thought that at times Ross Doherty was showed you know exactly why he is McCall's first name on the team sheet I also think at times he showed why some people find him very infuriating because he lay down at one point and after a tackle it was very strange but um, I totally agree that if we'd had 11 v 11 we would have been leaving with three points and it's quite it's just quite frustrating that that wasn't the case I'd also quite like to see Anton Dowds being able to run at a tired defense for longer because I do think that there was some opportunities there that we didn't just quite take I don't know if you saw that Billy Dodd said that after the game he said we did to Partick Thistle what they did to us at Fairhill now obviously we won 4-1 at Fairhill and were quite convincing and I didn't think that 1-0 at home where they scored straight after we had a substitution from an injury and it came from a really unfortunate clearance. I didn't think that really compared to our win at Fairhill. And what we said earlier about thinking that Inverness are maybe not too challenging for the season ahead, I totally agree. I don't think they showed anything miraculous on Friday night I think they were just extremely lucky with the way the decisions fell and the fact that they were running at not an unconfident Tunji Akinola for that goal and I'm not blaming Tunji I'm just saying that um you know they they managed to exploit a weakness from after a substitution no I agree I thought it was quite a, a quite the exaggeration from Dodds um, just on Akinola, I, I, yeah, I, you can't really blame him if somebody beats you for pace, somebody beats you for pace, and he was brought on to face 
as I said, the sort of outstanding individual performance that we faced this season, the, the yellow boots really didn't help him. Uh, just looked <laughs> looked like he was running through treacle. It was so slow. Uh, we've said it a million times. I would love to see um, last season's Tunji return. Um, we'll have a little chat then. We've reached the the end of the first quarter of the season, even though right, we've played Inverness twice. We've yet to face air, but we're, we're nine games in. Um, are we happy with where we're at? We're, we're top of the league, but a few points dropped here and there. Overall, though, first quarter, David, what um, if you were a school teacher? I was going to say if you're a school teacher, we've got a school teacher on, on the call. I might as well ask. Well, do you want to go to half first? Yeah, yeah. So, Heather, how would you grade the, the first quarter of the season? Is this almost like Ian McCall coming to parents' evening exactly. and me doing the kind of what I do at my parents' evening is I give them the highlights and then I give them the areas to the the next steps, as I call it. I mean, this is the classic thing. If someone had said to you at the start of the season, you're going to be top of the league, the one of the, the losses that you have, well, obviously Queen's Park was was not great, but you know, the loss on Friday night was a really unfortunate one. You know, I'm happy of where we are. We're top of the league. How we've managed to stay top of the league over this weekend after the way the results went, yes, you know, on Saturday is is fantastic. And um, I do think that we've shown a lot of potential. We've got a lot more to come. I still don't even think McCall knows his, his best 11. You know, there's the McKinnon, there's a Turner. Where does Tiff come in? We've got Dowd chapping at the door, waiting to, to you know, we've got three players all in the top, um, you know, the top goal scoring of the championship after the first nine games. We're in a really good place. And I do, I think someone put it on Twitter and they said that, that I think, um, you know, the team that's going to stop us from winning the league this year is us. We are, we are our own worst enemy. We managed to create trouble where there isn't any. And, I think that as long as we just keep on chipping away, getting getting the goals and having the full complement of players available and hopefully not be hampered by injury, then this is a really good start and we have got a really good chance this season. I'm always a see October parents evening, we always get told to be extremely positive. So that maybe also is why in October I am I am doing this. My January parents' evening is sometimes when the truth comes out. <laughs> An overall grade then for the first quarter? B plus? Or is that quite harsh? A minus? I might have just gone with an A, I think, personally. <laughs> I'll see if we say Grace Reese what about There's you? always places to improve. I am I'm really I'm really pleased with the season so far. You can't ask much bit much more than top of the league after the first quarter you look at the, the sort of the overall landscape of the league so far so played nine games won five drawn two lost two the two draws as Heather mentioned our own worst enemy scored a comical lone goal and then we just collapsed against Cove right. these, these things happen over the course of a season then you look at the two defeats obviously Friday night against Inverness we had 10 men own worst enemy again but the one game that we sort of we were just bad in was Queen's Park and credit to Queen's Park they deserved a win they were better than us on the day but that's the one point in this season where you can look at and go fair enough they outclassed us they definitely deserved a win um, fair play to them but apart from that I think we've been really good all season and the only thing you can sort of moan about is 
we deserve more points. We should have we should have picked up more points. We should have turned those draws into wins. So I, there's areas to improve on. But as McCall always says, you know he loves to break it down into the quarters. And if you win the majority of your games in that quarter, you're going to be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. And if we can keep this up, and you know he always likes to improve each quarter. And it's only going to get harder now. So the winter months are coming in. You start picking up injuries. Other teams will pick up injuries as well. And hopefully this is where our depth is going to prevail because we, I know we've spoke about we've got great depth and then we lost to Falkirk and people are saying we don't have great depth. But depth is where you bring in two or three bodies and they carry on the same. No changing your full team, ripping the full team apart and basically playing a, a second string team. Adding one or two I think will be absolutely fine. Adding in like just one or two bodies every week when we've got a couple injuries or whatnot will be sound. Whereas other teams, you look at the likes of Hamilton Ackies, I know, maybe speaking a wee bit too soon because that's who we're playing next, but they're down to the bare bones with an injury or two already. Like, you look at their bench, there's not many sort of household championship names there. But you, you see these teams, like, we're going to come up against the likes of Hamilton and Arbroaths and stuff, and it's going to get harder because it no longer just becomes a poor start to the season for them. Each game now becomes, right, we need three points or else we're going down. They're in a relegation fight, they need the three points. So it's a battle for them as much as it's a battle for us to, to keep up the top. Um, so I, if, I, if you're giving, giving out grades, it's got to be an A. We're top of the league after the first quarter um, and looking upwards. So I, happy. I agree with you on the depth, Reece, because I, I think the example A would be Turner suspended for a couple of games now and Cole McKinnon was going to slot right in and there's there's no dip in that. You're right, if there's eight getting swapped, there's obviously going to be a, a dip. You're going to get a disjointed performance. But when you, when you swap one in, basically in any area of the pitch, we're, we're nearly just about as strong in every position. David, a grade from you? Yeah, I mean, I would probably echo, I, I would go with an A as well. I mean, if you look at it, again, you compare it to the last quarter last season, you get 15 points last season, and we won the five games. This was in the, the, the total gulf, where there was five at the top, five at the bottom, and a giant chasm between them. So everybody in the bottom is losing. We won all five games against the bottom teams, I believe. Um, the, the games we lost in the first quarter were the four against our title rivals. In this in this uh, period, we've we've uh, drawn two of those games that we lost before. One of which, arguably, we should have won. So that's a bit better. Uh, so we get more points than we did before. The games we've won have been against title contenders like Dundee and Inverness. And again, the 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 one on Friday. Again, no, we were down to ten men for an hour. Um, it's been an improvement over last season. And bear in mind what, what happened in the second quarter last season. We improved and we went on a run. So there's no reason to say why we can't do it again. I would agree. And A, um, all around, I think our squad is better. Our results have been better. And yeah, I think we've been great. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I would feel more confident that we're going to improve on the points totals in the next three quarters than I did at this time last season. I think the big change for me is just the fullbacks and the, the control that well, our back four, but the sort of attack and impetus that our fullbacks are giving us, the control that our two centre backs are giving us, we're really sort of dominating a lot of games, especially at home. Like we spoke about the the five one result against Morton last week, that that was sort of a standard home performance, and that is how we've performed in I think just about every home game. We've really controlled them, and that's come from the back four. I think McMillan and Milne, they've been so so good. Uh, in terms of upgrades on last season's fullback, and you throw in as well one early cup quarter final, which we weren't uh, we weren't this time last season. So that is another another little bonus. 
Heather, if you're given uh, the first quarter a, a B, I'm glad uh, I was not taught by you and sent any report cards home. I changed it to any. I changed it to any <laughs> minus. But in primary school, we don't do grades. It's all about effort and smiles and sticker charts. So I'm not very used to giving out a grade. She's Fair going enough. full McCall and Friday with the excuses here. We don't give <laughs> out grades. Oh. <laughs> Right, we'll look ahead then to, to Saturday's game. We are visiting New Douglas Park or whatever sort of um, semi-legal drug they've named their stadium after now. Um, <laughs> face Hamilton. Uh, David, I'll start with you. We enjoyed, I was going to say we enjoyed, it was like your wedding anniversary last year, but I did enjoy it with you as we put six past Hamilton. Um, what are you expecting this weekend? So as as we've said before, so it is the 15th of October. It's the anniversary of the two greatest days in my life. First of all, obviously, I was beating Aki 6-1, and as well as that, meeting my wife. So as we all know, last year, my I convinced my wife to come to the Hamilton game, her only ever official game, and we beat them 6-1. She has a 100% record. She's never seen us lose. I was actually thinking about this. I don't know think she's ever seen a team I have been supporting lose either. Move went to other games. I don't think she has ever, I, from from what I can remember, I don't think the team that I went to watch have lost when she has been there. And so I thought, wouldn't it be funny if my wife came again this year? So we are going to full works, hospitality, free course dinner, all the drinks you can get, sitted and booted. We are going on Saturday. Hamilton are not in good shape at all. We are playing really creatively. It all spells 1-0 Hamilton. But I, I think I think we're going to win. I think we're going to win quite well. I'm not going to lie. I hope we're going to win quite well. If it happens again, like I will I will be petitioning the SBFL to have us play Aki's on the 15th of October every year because it, it would be great. But I, I think we're going to win this and I think it will do well. Right, kick us off with a prediction then, David. Um, we obviously there's only predicted. one score. Yeah, there's we only one predict- score we're predicting here. Fair enough. Six what? one, six one two electric boogaloo. <laughs> so none none of us picked up points last week as we all predicted Thistle victory. So Reese, you're still a point behind. Do you want to go next? I am. Um, really looking forward to the game at the weekend. Uh, going to be expecting double figures now after they lost five 0 to Morton. Nah, in all seriousness, I don't think I really don't think Hamilton looked good this season. If they ever look good any season, but this season's like it could be in big trouble. And as David mentioned, like we're in we're in as good as form as we can be. Obviously coming off the back of defeat, but we're right up the top of the league. And there's no points, no point getting skills in your ass sitting on the fence. So I we're gonna go out and we're gonna thump them. So prediction just think me a number to be honest. I don't know if don't want to shoot too high. I'm thinking about joining David on the six, being a bit ambitious, but I'll go five now. Five, I'm already thinking of the intro for next week. I've already got it all <laughs> planned out in my head. I know exactly how this is going. Oh, it's, so, it's so one now, Hamilton. I've never seen a more sure thing. Uh, <laughs> David, you can edit Jamie's prediction. Jamie won't have heard these predictions, so I wonder if he'll be as bold. So you can edit Jamie's in here. I'm going one now, Thistle. <laughs> Well, I'll go, I was going to say, I'm going to go 2-0 Thistle. Uh, Hamilton obviously got scudded last week. I think you rarely see a team get scudded twice in a row just because they panic and they think, oh, we really need to tighten up. 
I do agree with Reece, though. I think Hamilton aren't up to that much this season. I think we saw that for how they sort of came and were quite happy to take a point. I think it'll be a similar game. Um, we'll control it, and I'm going to just go for a, a comfortable goal in each half, 2-0, Thistle win. I was going to say, Ben, um, just really you mentioned that about teams really getting scurried twice. Remember what happened the, the second time we played Hamilton after the 6-1, where they were absolutely in that mentality of we're not getting scudded again, and they just completely parked the bus and dug their heels in and stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again, to be honest, but we're still winning uh, 6-1. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it will be that sort of game, but I think we've got the quality. Uh, Heather, do you want to chip in a prediction for fun? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go maybe a little bit in between. I'll go three 0 I I totally agree. I don't. I think that they will be playing for, you know, p- playing for pride really and trying to keep their goal difference down. But I also think that goal difference could be a really big thing this year. You see already, it's got so tight. So. I hope we do get as many goals as possible, but three three for me. I'd absolutely take one now, to be fair, but you know, five would be nice. What, was, is that an aggregate of 16-1 amongst our four scores? Oh my God. <laughs> oh. Well, I hope nobody from Hamilton listens to this. We'll now go over to match day two in group A of our Draw Loser Draw Quiz tournament. Welcome to another segment of our Draw, Lose or Draw Quiz. We are here for Match Day 2 in Group A, where we have Mark Wallace, Rhys Haldane, Jamie McDonald and Vinny Ferguson ready to face off. Our first match today is going to be Mark Wallace versus Rhys Haldane. Mark, what have you learned from, from, your first, from your first match against Jamie? It was a, a tough loss for you. I think it's, very, it's more strategic than I was expecting it to be. I think that more than anything else. Well, lessons have been learned. That's good. And Reese, you were victorious in a, in a tight game against Vinny on our match day one. Uh, feeling confident going into match day two? Uh, I've, you've got to back yourself, but the standard in this group very, very high. It's, it was a good lesson, even just listening to the other game there. So i uh, looking forward to it. Uh, same format as last time, Mark. So you know the score. Um, you're going to get five questions on Partick Thistle. If at any time you want a, an away question, you can have one away question in this round. Uh, shout it out. That'll be for five points. Um, that'll be on Scottish football. Um, they might be a little bit harder. But we'll, we'll kick you off with question one. Um, and your first question is going to be, for which club did Aaron Muirhead make his professional debut? Aaron Athletic. Correct. Two points. We're on the board. Reese. Ex-Jag James Cragen recently signed for what club? FC Edinburgh. That is correct. Two points. Mark, who finished runners-up to Thistle in the 2020-21 League One campaign? Airdrie. Correct. Two points. Reese, 
In 2012, who left Thistle to pursue a career in the police? Willie Kennebra. Correct. Good answer. Another really high quality game we've got here. Mark, your question three. Energy check was added to Farhill's name in what year? 2018. I'll pass it over. 2017. That's correct, Rhys, for a bonus point. That was removed again in 2020, but it was there for a three-year stint. So, Rhys, you take a 5-4 lead at the moment, and here is your question three. Did Alan Archibald score more goals for Partick Thistle or Dundee United? Thistle. That is correct. But it's, it's closer than you might think. He's only scored nine for Thistle and he managed seven in his short spell at Dundee United. But two points for you there. Mark, your question four. Who was the last Thistle player to score a competitive goal against Rangers? Blair Spittle. No. I will pass it over. Chris Erskine. It is not. It was Chris Doolan in the, in the League Cup. Reese, your question for In what year did Thistle last reach a Scottish Cup final? Uh, nine, 1925. It's not a bad guess, but I'll pass it over. This should be bread and butter for, for Wallace. 1930. He's got the bonus point there. So, Mark, your question five. How many of Chris Doolan's goals for Partick Thistle were penalties? This is not including penalty shirts. Um, one? Nope. Reese. 12? Nope. Five is the answer I've got. So five of his of his many goals came from the spot. Reese, your last question. In the 2012-13 league campaign, 36 games, how many times did Thistle score four or more goals in a single match? Can I can I do my thinking out loud here? Yep. Right. So we had Airdrie seven nil. Uh, we had Falkirk. 4-1. We had Dunfermline 4-0. We had Dunfermline 5-1. We had Levy 6-1. Um, thinking that could be at 5. Uh, <clears throat> I'm just going to go with a 5 then. That is not correct. Mark? 6. You are correct. Uh, Mark can take this bonus point. So Reece, you take a 7-6 lead going into round 2. Mark, you're that was the tough first. Up. It was. It was a tough one. Uh, Mark, you're the first to go here. I have got ten answers in front of me, so you can name up to ten if you can. The last ten players to score a penalty for Thistle, excluding penalty shootouts. So they, it's not taken. It's scored, and it's scored. Is, yep, scored and excluding penalty shootouts. And I've got the last ten in front of me. How many do I go? If you say, for example, if you say two, you don't have to say the last two. You can say any of the ten. I'll go for seven. Seven? 
do I let him do it or do I try and top that? Is it individual? Like, so just for example, uh, obviously he's not in the end, but just say it was Chris Dolan. I always just say like Dolan, Dolan. Like, no. Right, no, so one. each each taker's <laughs> just in there themselves. I'll let Mark go for it. Right, Mark, go for it. Kevin Holt. Yep. Stuart Bannigan. Yep. Uh, Sean Welsh. Yep. Um, Brian Graham. Yep. How many is that? I've got. Fuck. That's four. Three to go. Um. Ooh. Oh shit. Um Doherty? Ross Doherty? No. I believe he is taken in a shootout, but not in in a ninety minutes. So that is going to be a, a five points for Reese. I will read the, the remaining players. So Chris Dolan was on the last Chris Dolan um scored in the chat. Exactly. Yep. And <laughs> <laughs> Shithouse on the pod. Um, Chris Dillon scored, I think, in the championship uh, against Alawa, if I recall. Um, and I think he scored some earlier ones as well. Connor Salmon scored a few in the Premier League. Stevie Lawless got one at St. Johnson, I think. Uh, Callum Higginbotham at Motherwell. We're going this far back. Adding your head in his first spell. And then we're going as far back as Paul Kearney as well. So they're the last 10 players to score penalties for Thistle in 90 minutes. Reese, your question. There See, are... away from everything else, how fucking woeful is that penalty record? It's not great. It's really not great. There's quite a lot of players who have taken uh, penalties for us and not scored any. So I'm thinking Story, Spittle. There was one or two others who had taken and never never scored at all. Didn't get the chance against in some cases. Um, Reese, your question. There are seven possible answers here. How many of Kenny Arthur's clubs can you name? Uh, and I should state it's clubs that he has appeared for competitively. Four. Mark, do you want to top that? I'll go for five. Reese, come back in or let Mark go? I, I can't do more than five, Mark. I need to go for it. Right, Mark, take it away. <coughs> Thistle, obviously. Correct. Airdrie. Correct. Arrington Stanley. Correct. Rochdale. Correct. Um, ooh, one more. Clyde? Incorrect. So, Reese, another five points for you. A good decision to let Mark go for it. The three that he competitively appeared for, Grimsby, and then I believe he was loaned out from Grimsby, Grimsby to Gainsborough Trinity, and then Annan Athletic for a spell. So you have won your second match by 17 points to six. We'll, we'll see how that goes, but you could be a hard man to catch in the in the top two spaces. You you pleased with your performance there? No, no, really. I can't believe it's 17 six because I thought I had a few shockers there, but you take that every day of the week. I think if anything, Mark, you're right. The the tactics are just as important as the knowledge in this quiz. Seems to be that way because like I I was. I'm try- I was genuinely trying. To- I thought Kenny Arthur played f- for another couple of clubs up here than he did down in England. I remember see, when, you, when you mentioned Grimsby then, I was like, ah, now I remember. Mark, you will be back in match day three, so we'll see you then. We've now got Jamie McDonald facing Vinnie Ferguson. 
Jamie, you were victorious in match day one. You confident going into your second round? I mean, hopefully, but it doesn't make sense. We've got, we've got, got a back, got a back knowledge. But all the, as I said, reset earlier. This is a good group, so I can't can't go in thinking going to coast any of them. Yeah, always going to be a tough one. I think the last, Vinny's last one against Reese was pretty tight. So well, Vinny, it was a tight defeat to Reese, but uh, what lessons have you learned from that going into your your big game here against Jamie? And absolutely nothing, and I'm just flying by the seat of my pants. Well, Jamie, I'll start with you. Uh, as you know, five questions you can shout out at any time if you want to swap one of your questions for an away question. Your first question for two points. In the 1971 League Cup final, what colour was Alan Ruff's goalkeeping jersey? Green. That is a good answer. He's off with two points on the board. Vinny, your question one. At which ground did Thistle win the 1921 Scottish Cup? It was at Celtic Park, no? That is correct. It was at Celtic Park against Rangers. Question two for you, Jamie. Which ex-Jag started the season by keeping seven straight clean sheets for his current club? Um, is this a, oh, I'm not allowed to ask. It's a goalkeeper, am I? Um, I don't know if it's a goalkeeper or not. Uh, I don't know. Aaron Lennox? I don't know. I'll pass it over to Vinny. No, I'm I'm struggling with this. It's just going to be a, a wild guess because I, I don't even know where he is at the moment. Uh, so I'm going to say Ryan Scully. Not, I'm not sure if we've got goalkeepers... Uh, who used to play for us out there capable of, of seven in a row. It was it was Liam Lindsay at Preston. Uh. So, Vinny, your number two. Chance to take a lead here in round one. Kieran McKenna left Thistle in the summer and signed for which other club? Uh, I should know this one because I interviewed him did an article. So I'm pretty sure it's Queen of the South. <laughs> that is the correct answer. <laughs> Good question to follow you there. Jamie, I think this will be a, a similarly good question for you. I think this is your sort of thing. Who currently wears the number 19 for Thistle? Um, uh, Danny Mullen. Yeah, good answer. Back to 4-4. Back to four, four. But Vinny, you have a question in hand. Jackie McNamara last managed at what club? York City? Yeah, good answer. I think that was the weird situation where he said he'd resign, then hung on for a bit, and then resigned, but then somehow became CEO. Very strange comes on. So, Vinny, you're 6-4 ahead with two questions each to go. The away questions are there if you'd like them, but Jamie, your question four. At what club did Ross Doherty make his professional debut? Livingston. Yeah, good answer. And Vinny, your question for who won Division Two in two thousand and six, the season that Thistle were promoted via the playoffs? Um, 
Oh, it's Gretna. Gretna. Yeah, good answer. A question each to go. Vinny, eight, six ahead. It's very tight. Jamie, question five. What is Ian McCall's highest league finish as Thistle manager? Um, second. Yeah, that is correct. Uh, no bonus points well, here, I, you know, this season. Uh, to be fair, you didn't say which league, so if it was League One, it's first, but assumed you meant Championship. Well, yeah, that, that, well, second in the Championship's higher than first in League One. Oh, yeah, I actually, okay, <laughs> yeah. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. Do you know what season? For no bonus points, but just to look um, even smarter. I know St. Johnson finished first, but... Yeah, you got it. 2009-10? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. 8-9, eight, eight, but that's okay. Points were, points were secure there, anyway. Uh, Vinny, your last question. This to take a lead into round two. Who scored Thistle's last goal in the 2016-17 top six season? Is it Stephen Lawless? Jamie, pass it to you. Chris Dillon. Yeah, correct for a bonus point there, Jamie. Um, it was Chris Dillon against Rangers in a 2-1 defeat at Furhill. So, Jamie, you're going to take a 9-8 lead into round two, which you will start. Jamie, your question, there are eight players here. Goal scorers in Queen's Park 4, Partick Thistle 5. So somebody got two. So there are eight goal scorers in Queen's Park 4, Partick Thistle 5. How many could you name? This is before I started going to games. So uh, realistically, five. Oh, if someone scored, it's up four. Four. Vinny, do you want to let him go for four or do you want to try and nip in with five? I think I can go five. Right, let's hear them. Or sorry, if Jamie wants to go six, I should say. Oh, Jamie, do you want to let Vinny go for five? Oh, oh you go. I don't, I don't know six. I don't know any of their scores. Right, Vinny, take it away. Okay, Shankland. Yep. Ricky Little. Yes. Uh, Erskine. Yep. Uh, Christy Elliott. Yes, and one and more for the, the points. Stuart Bannigan. There it is. Good five points from Vinny. Freestyling, naming the two Queen's Park uh, guys first there. Hey, see, Matt, see when you asked that Queen's Park man, I was like, why well, of all high scoring games? I was, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I didn't go to that one. I wasn't a fan at that point. He <laughs> crushed me, man. That, that that Queen's Park game is one that I have relived in my head over and over. Genuinely one of my all-time favourite uh, games of football. It was just, it was mental. The last 10 minutes. Uh, I wish I was a fan. Yeah. Sorry, going by then. I just remember I from that game, like that Queen's Park game, uh, coming out from Hamden, you walk up the hill uh, to like where, the chi- where, like where that chippy and that V Tesco is. And there was a Thistle fan just slumped outside it, just knackered. Just like absolutely done in. After that, it was like, who can't really blame? I remember going to either Clockwork or the Lang side, it's New Armstrong's. After that, and just like face planting on the table. Because it was just, it was all over the place. That was class. 
remember a kickoff got delayed in Everton because it like it wasn't even a big crowd because like we brought more than what they used they were ready for. Got delayed fifteen minutes and Hamden was like one percent full. <laughs> Four points. You are now ahead, Vinny. So this is going to be a, a crucial one for you. Thirteen here. Uh, Thirteen possible answers. We're looking for professional teams that Connor Salmon has played for. How many do you think you could name out of the 13? I'm, I'm amazed it's 13. I think I could, I could only do six. I think I can do six. Six. Jamie, points on the line here. Do you want to let well, Vinny go ahead or go up it? Well, I don't think... Uh, the best I can get is three for not saying anything, so I'm going to have to say seven then. Have to say more. Bold, bold. Vinny, points on the line. You going to go for eight or let Jamie go ahead? On you go, Jamie. I'll oh, be impressed because I'm struggling. <laughs> right, Jamie, we want to hear seven teams that Connor Salmon has played for. Hearts. Yep. Fessel. Yep. Alloa. Yep. Motherwell. Yep. Falkirk. Yep. Kilmarnock and Wigan. Oh... Very well done, Jamie. For a late, it was standing, Jamie. Well done, man. Well done. <laughs> was, this quiz is a Guero moment now, and Jamie takes match day two against Vinny by fourteen to thirteen. Uh, this yeah. will go down in the history books. This will get played on Challenge TV in about six years' time. That's very good. Game, stuff. After the Hamilton game, we will face Aberdeen in the Cup. It's unlikely we'll have a pod out in between, so we will have a quick chat about that now. Um, Reese seems like a good time to be about to play Aberdeen, as uh, as Andy Townsend would say, are, are things looking too good for us, Clive? Absolutely. Um, if there's ever a time to play Aberdeen, and the time is now off the back of that humdinger of a result against Dundee United, because we know how bad Dundee United have looked this season, and by all accounts, not the, the greatest of appointments, giving it to is it Liam Fox, that his name. Um, but I, it's a good result for Dungeon United at the weekend, but Aberdeen were, were looking shaky, to say the least. But they've, they've kind of been up and down this season. One week, they'll have a, an absolutely brilliant result. And to be fair, they seem to score a good few goals, but I don't know. We've, we've got absolutely nothing to lose. There's no pressure on us going into the game, and I don't really think there's any expectations to, to sort of the wider audience. I think there'll be maybe in-house expectations from Fissel fans and whatnot, like we'll be going up kind of quietly confident and maybe, maybe sneak a result and just just hope for the best. But if, if we go and get pumped, then oh well. The league is our priority. We all know that. McCall said that himself. But getting to Hamden would be amazing and, and, and what opportunity we have going up there. So uh, hopefully we get a, a half-decent turnout as well and it's a, it's a good wee midweek number for us. Heather, who do you want at Hamden in the semi-finals? 
Reese has already won us the game. Morgan through three now. Who do you want in the semis? Oh gosh, this is me showing that I haven't actually been really paying attention to who's who's still in. Uh, Who Rangers. is the team that's not Rangers or Celtic? That's, that's, that's what I'm meaning. Who's what's the other? Is it, is it Motherwell? Are they not playing? No, they're are Motherwell Celtic. playing Celtic and Rangers are playing. Libby? Marin? Oh, I thought Rangers had done D. Who knows? Ah, this was a, a very rough segment. <laughs> okay, so we, Scott, I'm just googling right now. So Scottish Cup. Is it the Scottish Cup? League Cup. Okay. They, well, they should just not break yourself. <laughs> well, yeah. I was trying to look um, League Cup fixtures. Kilmarnock, Dundee United. Motherwell Celtic. Rangers, Dundee. Okay. So surely I would... Would I not take... Would we not take Kelly there? After the... But, you know, they were very good against Hearts. They were yeah, rotten against St. Johnson's. We, this we, week. Drew with, we drew with Kelly at Rugby Park, so oh. surely we'd, we'd beat them at Hamden. Right, we've already beat them in this cup this season. I'll hate it if they get a, if they go further than us in this competition. That's my pet hate. So we're putting Kelly out in the, the semi, and then who's scoring the winner in the final? Tunji Akinola. Harry, Harry, Harry Milne getting his first goal for the club. Now, the more important thing is the four for the fifth goal, the winner in this. That, uh, oh, well. <laughs> And actually, no, I don't want this to be a question because that'll be then a quiz question and I'll get no points because I named who equalised and not who scored the finishing wow. goal. Not that I'm bitter or anything. <laughs> per my previous chat about um, the Hamilton game, my wife is also coming to the Aberdeen game, so get your Hamden tickets booked already. <laughs> Again, she's never seen the team I support lose, ever. That is what I was going to ask you, David. I know uh, you've got a hotel booked in Aberdeen. Uh, yeah. I'm the same. I've also got a, the training hotel booked up there. What are your plans for, for a night in Aberdeen? So we've we've gone up for four days. So we were meant to be oh, going wow. abroad. We were meant to be we were meant to be going abroad, but also A we're quite scared and B this happened. So it was kinda like like can, we'll just go up north. So no, I think we're gonna go to Stonehaven for the day, maybe another town or two nearby or whatever, by the coast, try all the fish and chips, have a gay old time. It'll be great, yes, yeah, so we'll be up there Monday to Thursday. Uh, come back on the first day morning, afternoon. So, yeah, it's going to be great. I'll be nursing a hangover in the car. Excellent. But also, have we not got a, re- a kind of semi-record of playing teams in the Cup who have just lost and people go, oh, you know what? Thistle might have a shot here. And then it always, ne- it never works. I, I I mean, I've been saying this to a few people. I actually want Aberdeen to win their next game. Because if they have two dire like another dire game our our game is their lifeline it's almost like when we play the teams right down near the the bottom of the league at the end of, like they're they're playing for their lives here you know if Aberdeen are having a shocking time they need the cup to keep some of the the fans on side and you know their owners or whatever so I don't I kind of want them to have a mediocre game on Saturday or wherever they're playing so that we aren't the game where they can go and make everything right. Yeah, uh, there's a thin line between like confidence and complacency, isn't there? You'd quite like a, a complacent Aberdeen or, or a, a drastically low in confidence Aberdeen. Yeah, I, I, sort I of... maybe take a, a two each with Aberdeen kind of. Score in the equaliser, make it two each, so it makes it look like oh we can fight back, and but they're actually still quite shite. We will finish then with Partridge Thistle. 
Um, as we mentioned at the start, I think myself, Heather and David were all in attendance uh, on Sunday at the stand for uh, the Jags for Good Comedy afternoon, which I believe raised over £3,000. A tremendous effort from, from Ray Bradshaw, Neil Cowan, uh, everyone involved. <clears throat> I'm going to ask uh, at the start, Ray Bradshaw pointed out that there were there were two empty seats down the front and they were then filled by by David and Heather, which I thought was very brave of two gingers to go and take front row seats at a comedy club. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to ask you, what is the bravest thing you've ever done? Uh, as, as is known, I've mentioned before, I'm into my heavy metal and I, I do enjoy from time to time um, a mosh pit and a stage dive. I, in fact, I am currently nursing a bruised rib from a stage dive. I don't do it very often anymore. It's more of a special occasion thing. But I've done it last week and I've done that. But I, as I've got older and I've kind of reined it back in now, I am more, I, I, I usually sit in the side. So I, I'm the person, I'm sort of like the St. John's ambulance man at the, the at metal gigs now, where I sit in the side and wait. And if anyone gets into a nasty spill, I'll be the one that'll run in and batter people away and pull them out to the side. So I kind of pull them out of the wreckage where they are. I'm also the, if you ever go stage diving or crowd surfing or whatever and you're about to fall, I'm the guy cat underneath catching you, even if you're like three times my weight or whatever, and putting you back up so you all do it, so everyone's all good. So I'd say I've definitely caught some errant blows and stuff like that from trying to rescue people in mosh pits and stage diving and all that so they don't get badly injured. So that's probably about the bravest thing that I do. Heather? Yeah, so obviously recently it definitely was sitting front row at the Jazz for Good event, but um, I double checked this one with my with my dad earlier, and this is the bravest moment that I probably ever had at a, fi- at a football game, and it was in 2004, so I was about six or seven years old, and one of my dad's friends got us hospitality at Tynecastle, so Thistle were playing Hearts. And um, Jamie Mitchell was playing and Jamie Mitchell got taken down for a penalty. He'd already got a yellow card and apparently BBC say in the 13th minute for um, a silly challenge or something. And then he got taken down in the box and really wanted a penalty, much like what happened on Friday night. And Jamie Mitchell doesn't get said penalty and obviously says something a little bit mean to the ref. And he gets a second yellow card and, you know, so booked for descent and gets and then gets a red. Now, we are in hospitality at Hearts. I'm seven. And um, normally when you go to hospitality, this kind of thing, you're kind of encouraged, even though you are the away team, you know, you're not going to stand out. You're not going to, um, you know, start chanting or booing or whatever. But anyway, um, my one of the bravest things I've ever done, apparently, is, and I don't really remember it, but standing up in Tyne Castle Hospitality, having a full-on argument with plenty of people in hospitality about said red card. I think I was the only person that gave him a standing ovation off the field for his input in the game. And I think my brother and my dad had their head in their hands. Like, what, 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 what is this child doing? I was just winding everyone up. So that's one of my bravest moment. And we went on to lose two 0 So there we go. So I, a bit of a football wind up merchant back in the day. Have you retired from being a wind up merchant? Maybe just, maybe I just do it in private. <laughs> Reese, what about you? I mean, I'm always letting letting the team down with the partridge festival, but I don't know. I don't want to be like 
rescuing people for like burning houses and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll leave the humble brags for another time. Do you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Maybe starting a chant in a Jackie husband or something. You've got to have some more. <laughs> <or> something like <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, that, that I think I think that reminded me of my favorite, my bravest thistle moment. It was definitely 4 0 at Dingwall. <laughs> 4 0 down, and Jesus. I started an Alan Archibald chant. <laughs> and the guy looked like he was going to stab me. Several people turned around. Um, <laughs> I, no, don't do that. I would not. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's, not, it's not really not setting me up for Saturday, is it? I'm here talking about, you know, if you're an away fan in hospitality, you're not going to do anything stupid. And I'm the guy who started singing Alan Archibald at 4-0 down, a relegation scrap in <laughs> I've actually just thought of another brave moment I had. So um, at the Peterhead game, um, when we were when we won the when we won the playoff, um, I was second on the pitch that day. Ross Nisbet, great guy, he was first on, and we'd been talking all game about what we'd do if we and then and then you know that kind of like awkward moment you don't know are we pitching but you know Paul Ritchie's penalty goes in and everyone's like are we are we not and then Ross like right go 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 so then he jumped over the fence and I scooted under it and then and that was brilliant um and we've got a bit of the Peterhead uh, pitch still growing in our garden so yeah that was a great moment I think my bravest moment was probably on on the subject of that 4-0 in Dingwall was offering uh, you, David, and Mark a, a lift up in an eight-hour round trip on a Tuesday night in the snow. Um, some would call that brave, some would call it foolish. Um, I'd probably go foolish. We'll leave it there this week. Thank you to Heather, Reese, and David for joining me. We will be back sometime next week to look back on the trip to Hamilton and the big one up at Aberdeen before looking ahead to the home game against Queen's Park. In the meantime, stay safe.